everyone. Welcome to Life Church Online. My name is Sarah and I serve on our worship team. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we get started, if you would go to your phone and click on our Life Church main app and click on our connection card. There you can fill out as much information as you're comfortable with. This is a great way for us to pray for you and your families and stay connected. Also on our app, if you could click on our Give tab. One of the many ways that we worship God is through our giving. Thank you so much for your generosity. Before we get started with our message, please open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This will help you follow along with Pastor Brian's message today. Enjoy the rest of your service. Good morning, Life Church. It is so great to see you out here. Thank you, Tyler, for calling Desiree out. I mean, I would never do that. I would never call attention to one person like that. That was supposed to be funny, and it didn't work. All right, let's keep moving. <laughs> Uh, Hey, we are going through the entire New Testament uh, this year. We're starting a new book, uh, 2 Corinthians. And this one is, well, I guess you'd say every book is amazing, but this one is extra interesting because this is the book where all the problems get addressed. If there was a mistake to be made as a church, Corinth made it. They made every mistake and hey, we get to benefit because Paul writes to them and, and corrects those mistakes. And some of these mistakes are universal, so we get helped by that. But just an interesting uh, note before you, uh, hopefully you have opened your Bible to 2 Corinthians 11. If you haven't, would you please do that? Um, actually, if you're on the church app, there's a sermon notes on that and the scripture's there. And also there's a few things I hope you'll write down. So the app would be a great place to follow along. But there's only two churches where Paul stayed for over a year. I think we all know that he traveled the world and established a lot of churches. Some of those places, like Philippi, he was only there for a week. And he would leave and designate elders in those churches. He was always on the lookout for those that uh, God had called and, and, and blessed with certain gifts and he would designate them as elders. We would call them pastors of the church. But do you know the term elder? Originally, its meaning was older. So, you know, he, bottom line, was looking and all the elders were older because everybody knows that you don't get smart until you get older, right? How many of you are 55 and 55? So that's when wisdom begins. How many are 55 and older in this room? All right, let's be honest. I mean, we, is it not true, Betty? It, it is true. It is true. You really don't figure it out until you're at least... How, at what age did you figure it all out, Betty? <laughs> well, the truth is, hey, don't we all, though, don't we all look at ourselves, uh, the younger version of yourself? Am I the only one who looks at a younger version of yourself and is slightly embarrassed? I mean, don't we all look back like, oh, I, I did that. I, I said that. Or look back and say, I believed that. I actually believed that 20 years ago. What in the world? We all kind of do that. And so uh, these elders or pastors uh, in each church, interestingly enough, Corinth was, was started. I, I said the two churches, I think I've already said this, the two churches he spent over a year with were Corinth and Ephesus. Well, Corinth, when Paul first got there, so we're just going to give you an overview of the book. When he first arrived in Corinth, he immediately, first day, he met this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, and he immediately connected with them. They started working together. They were tent makers. They lived together for a year and a half. They live in the same house. They work together, and they build this church together. These people, Priscilla and Aquila, were elders. They were pastors in their heart. And when Paul left, a year and a half later, that church was booming, it was doing well. None of the problems started till after they left. He went from there directly to Ephesus, about 200 miles away. Corinth is in Greece, Ephesus kind of across the sea. At that time, it was called Asia. Today, we call it Turkey, modern-day Turkey. So it's a different culture there. But he took Priscilla and Aquila with him. They, they work together so well, and it is of some interest. It should be of note that the two places he stayed the longest by far were with this same couple. And that'll tell you a lot. Even Paul needed a pastor. A pastor has a certain effect on a human life. A pastor just brings a certain amount of peace and joy. And ha- pastors are just fun people. And he was just around them, and, and he spent two years then in Ephesus 
Years later, he writes letters to both the churches. And we have the letter in our Bible, the Ephesians letter, okay? And we have Corinthians. How many letters does he write? How many letters does write Paul to? How many letters does Paul write to Corinth? Anybody know? Well, at least three, potentially four, but we know for sure of three because we have two in our Bible, and he references another letter that he calls the severe letter. Whew. And we don't have that, and we're glad we don't have it because this is pretty rough. And if that one was the severe one, why was it so severe? Because, again, this church was making... I, I, the title of the message, if you're looking at the sermon notes on the app, is Epic Failure. I mean, every failure that could be made, and really, it starts with the epic failure of pastors. I've already mentioned that, you know, when Priscilla and Aquila were there, the church was doing great. He took them to Ephesus, and the church was doing great. Both churches boomed, but when Paul left Ephesus, who did he leave, and who did he, did he designate as the, the lead elders? Well, Priscilla and Aquila, he left them there. That's probably your first hint as to why Ephesus did so much better than Corinth. So he writes three letters to Corinth, all addressing major problems. He writes one letter to Ephesus. Anybody know the answer to this? How many problems does he address in the letter of Ephesians? Anybody know? Zero. Not one. Not one problem. He doesn't address one I mean, obviously there's, you know, a church is human beings, so there's problems in every church, but there was nothing going on that he just had to address. So I, I think the first obvious thing is, is that there were pastors in the church of Ephesus. But if you read the book of 2 Corinthians, you're tempted to say, well, Pastor Brian, I mean, it's not an epic failure of pastors, it's an epic failure of teachers. Because the book of 2 Corinthians, again and again, Paul calls out these false teachers, but here's an odd truth. All these false teachers, we know from Scripture, they came from Jerusalem. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, that was kind of the epicenter. That was the, you know, the main church. You know, Peter, they're all there. James, they're all in, in, in Jerusalem. Well, these teachers would go out. I mean, he, the, the apostles went out. Do you know that he, uh, even Peter, the apostle John, were in the churches of Ephesus and Corinth. They visited I mean, wouldn't that be awesome to have a guest speaker and it's, hey, we just happen to have the Apostle Peter today. Peter, come on up. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Sorry, you just get me today. All right, sir. Um, but, but Paul calls some of these guys that left Jerusalem, they didn't, let's be clear, they, they believed in a resurrected Jesus, but they didn't get it. They didn't really understand this new covenant that Jesus had came to bring. And they made a mess. But what's odd, if you look at the map, you have to go through Ephesus to get to Corinth if you're walking. I guess if you go by sea, but even by sea, it would be a logical stop-off point. Gang, these same teachers went through Ephesus that, that traveled and went to Corinth. Why did they tear up the church in Corinth and Ephesus didn't have the problems. Well, again, from the book, you would just say it's the epic failure of teachers, but actually the backstory is it's the epic failure of pastors. Paul left elders. He left pastors in charge. And by pastors, I'm not only referring to those people up front. We're going to see that we all have these gifts. And the people in, I'm telling you beyond any shadow of a doubt, the people in Corinth sitting there had gifts of God's spirit. The, the people sitting there were teachers, were pastors. That doesn't mean that they were called to be up front, but they had that gift. And when they heard some nut job go through and teach something crazy, they just sat on their hands. Maybe the Greek culture fed into it. Greeks kind of like knowledge more. And maybe that was part of it, that even the people, you know, even the pastors there kind of liked getting their brains tickled with some new idea. But bottom line, these same teachers just tore up the church in, in Corinth and in Ephesus, they didn't have the effect. So the first epic failure is pastors. And the second one are these teachers. And we're going to look a little bit later as to what these teachers taught and, and what effect they had. But have you found, I did all that to give you time to find 2 Corinthians 11. Have you found that yet? I'm going to just start in the second verse for your following along, for I am jealous for you. I think we just get a picture here of the, where the church was at. I'm jealous 
for you with the jealousy of God himself. Do you know that God is a jealous God? He wants all of you. He really does. That doesn't mean that he, he is bothered that you enjoy his stuff. He wants you to enjoy his stuff, but he wants you to enjoy this great life and always be looking at him saying, thanks, Dad. Thanks. He wants your heart. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. I just normally don't always put these up here, but I want to see, because this really is the whole book. The whole book really is, well, it's correcting false teaching, but he's bringing them back to this, that guys, remember when I was there? Remember when Priscilla and Aquila there? It, was, it really is all about this. It all comes back to the only thing that we really have in the church of Jesus Christ is the fact that through Christ, Christ has opened the window. He, he's taken away all, this, all of our sin, all of our guilt, everything that is between us and God, everything that could keep us from enjoying the blessing of God, Jesus has completely torn away and opened the window. And through Christ, we every good thing, we get to experience God, his grace, his love, his joy, his peace, his blessing in our physical lives. How many in here have a confidence that God is working all things together for your good? Romans 8, 28. You guys believe that? But why? Even that, you can't just set that aside. Why? Why is God working everything for our good? Is he doing that for every human being on the planet? No. He's doing that because of Christ. All of it. We get, we get everything. Everything. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of God's grace. This doesn't mean that we don't face in this world. We're living in a crazy world and we're going to bump up against it. But we get all of that through Christ. And Paul was, well... He was concerned, but I fear, he had fears for this church that he didn't have for Ephesus. I, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ, he says, man, get back to the middle. Do you realize even Bible teaching, you can get a lot of Bible stuff in a lot of directions, but is it actually, yes, I, I do believe every sermon, everyone should ultimately lead you to I mean, you can, you can go anywhere in the Bible, but it has to come back to, wait a minute, how does this actually work? It's Christ. It's the price he paid. It's the open door. It's every blessing that you want to talk about in the Bible, it comes back to this. I'm, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Everybody say corrupted. Anybody can look at a time in your Christian life where your faith walk was corrupted? Look back and like, ooh, that's a little bit off to straighten narrow there. Well, they were off and they were staying off. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. And the very, we're going to read the very next verse in a minute. And he's, he's already alluding to these false teachers. It's cunning. But just how easy it is just to get off a little bit off of Christ as the answer to every problem. And all of a sudden, even though you're using Bible verses, you're just off into... Well, you're off into false teaching. So let's just take a look at these teachers and pastors. Again, that's the title of the message. That's the book of, of Second Corinthians is the epic failure of teachers and pastors. Now, when you hear that, you're probably tempted to say, well, whew, I came on the right week because I'm off the hook. And today we're learning about Tom and Brian's failures. And I'm really glad that I get to hear about that. So let's just put, well, Tom, why don't you come up here and stand with me so we can just look at the both of you at the same time. <laughs> we can just, you know, hug each other and talk about our epic failures. <clears throat> well, let's just take a look quick, I think, at what the Bible will reveal about pastors and teachers. Uh, we'll come back to this in a minute. I'm going to spend more time here, but pastors are gifted to produce peace in your heart, in your life, in the church. Teachers are gifted to inspire in your heart, in your mind, in the church. But writing to the Ephesians, he calls out these gifts. Now, let's notice something. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles. I want you to notice that he's calling out individuals, okay? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. Each one starts with the. These are individuals, okay? 
And every example we have in the entire Bible of apostles, prophets, and evangelists, they were traveling ministries. They didn't, yeah, they had a local church where they were part of, but that, that their ministry actually was out and about. The church, the local church, the bread and butter of the local church, day after day, week after week, month after month, were these. And the pastors and teachers. Now, anybody notice something different about this last category, the pastors and teachers, than all the others? We'll just see if you can figure it out. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. What's different? Well, there's no the in front of teachers. Uh, it, this is still a debate. You just Google it. Google teachers and pastors, Ephesians 4, and you'll find a thousand articles on this debate. Are these two different individuals? Are there some pastors and some teachers? Or are these, is this two different gifts, but they're in the same person? Why is it different? Why are these lumped together? I think we know the answer to that. The answer is why it's different is because these are the same people. And by the way, as you're reading this, you gotta realize Paul wrote, you're already in the fourth chapter Paul wrote to the church, and if you originally got this, this was being read to everybody. Now, oddly enough, we kind of think, okay, well, now Paul's talking to somebody else. Like, you get to chapter 4, and all of a sudden, you can rip that section out and carry that, out, carry that up to Tom and say, Tom, Paul's got something to say to you. Yeah, I'm off the hook here. This is, he's talking to you. No, 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 no. The whole book is to us, to all of us. He's talking to us. And he's calling out and he's saying to us, the pastors and teachers, everybody sitting there was supposed to recognize, oh, these are the gifts he's given to the church. Oh, I've got one of these or more. Oh, okay. So we'll come back to that. Pastors and teachers. I, I wish we had more time to go to more scriptures. Second Corinthians talks about the, that God has given to each one a spiritual gift. You're this. You, you have a mix of this in you. Let's go to the very next verse. Their responsibility. We say those two words. Say their responsibility. responsibility. I'm going to plead with you to not wait until you're standing before God to realize that you had a spiritual gift and you had a responsibility to use it for other people. Don't wait till you get before him. You're like, me? What? You, you, you expected me to help People in the church, you expected me? That was Tom's job. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I read that verse. Pastors and this Tom's job. Yeah, Tom, go get him. Sick him, Tom. <laughs> Brian, come on, Brian, get off your duff. Get out there. That's, that's your job. No, 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 no. He's talking to us and he's saying their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. I'm going to say it again. Don't wait until you stand before God to realize that you have a gift and it's supposed to be used for the church, for the people around you. Let me just take a few minutes here and help you identify yourself. Here's what I'm just convinced of. We are all a mixture of these two. Okay, nobody is 100 zero. All right. Now, some people might be 90-10, but primarily we're a mixture. Okay? And it's going to be a little bit helpful to help you identify yourself. It's not the, the most important part is that you leave here today understanding your perfect mix. I'm 70-30 T over P. That is, that is not the most important point. The only people that that's really important for that might really, really help you is there's a few of you in here who are 90-10s. You're 90% one, 10% the other, and those people can be dangerous if, until they understand. When they realize, oh, okay, okay, that's why I'm so extreme. Oh, okay, okay. And you figure it out, and then you can use your gift in its, in its way, but then you realize, I kind of probably have to dial myself back a little bit in some other arenas. But let me just help you identify yourself. If you're a, a primarily, let's say you're one of those 90-10s. If you're a 90-10 pastor, your favorite word in the English language is relax. Relax. Just relax. Can we just relax? 
Chill out, man. It's all going to be fine. These people do. They have an effect, not only in their own life, but it's designed by God. They have that effect in other people's lives, especially when they're new to the faith. Do you guys, anybody remember when you're new to the faith coming in that there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety in this world and you're just stressed to the max? Even if you have a pastor's gift, you still don't quite get it yet. You you don't quite get the fact that Jesus Christ really has opened the window and that you're in God's hand. You just don't see that yet. And you're desperate for a pastor. You're desperate for a pastor to just put their arm around you. Relax. It's all good. It's all good. Jesus Christ has already solved every problem. Yeah, we're going to face hell and high water. Just watch. This will work itself out. Just watch. And it's not just words. When, a pa- when that's coming out of the heart of a pastor, it has a, an effect with it. It has an effect. And you're like, I mean, you might have come into the church just a complete stress basket. And you just listen. You're like, ah. Oh. Okay, all right. Uh, A couple other identifiers. If you're a a, a pastor, if you're primarily gifted for that. See, teachers have a, they're, they're, might help if I do this. A a teacher primarily, again, their gift is to inspire. And this is the most common one, and this is the most dominant one. By God's design, there are more pastors than teachers by far. And it's supposed to be that way. Why? Because... Where a pastor is supposed to inspire, a teacher, a teacher rather, is supposed to inspire, but where is he supposed to be pointing his inspiration to? Inspiration is supposed to be pointing you towards peace. I'm a teacher. I don't know if I'm 90 10, but I'm close. I'm, that's, that's way dominant in me, but it, and it took me a lot of years to figure it out that I've only got a little part. But if you say, well, well Pastor Brian, if that's the most important gift, then why, why do you keep getting up there every week? Well, it's true that when that's your dominant gift, that we do need, when we get together in an assembly like this, that is what's most important is that I get inspired toward something, okay? But day in and day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know who you want as your best friend? Pastor. They're the, one, they're the shepherds who lead you to green grass. They're the shepherds who, after you get off the phone with them, you're like, oh, thank God. Thank God. It's worth What was I stressed about, man? Wow. Wow. That was suicidal 10 minutes ago. Wow. What was going on? They just have that, that effect. See, teachers on occasion will say things just for effect, just to get you moving. And, and that is important. To, to a teacher, and this is going to sound odd to you, to a, to a 90-10 teacher, truth is more important than people. Now, if you're a pastor, as soon as you hear that, you're like, ooh. Because you know what pastors do, and you're supposed to do this, is, is you, you have your people, your peeps. After church, you pull them aside and like, here's what he really meant. <laughs> you know, he just, he just meant... You know, truth is like, you know, Jesus is the truth and, 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 and that's really most important, you know, that we keep looking to Jesus. He, he didn't mean that his, his, his sermon was more important than you. That's it. That isn't what he meant. Friends, I, I'm not kidding you. That is something, it's not a pastor's job and a, and a good pastor doesn't feel like when there's false teaching, when there's something's a little bit awry, a good pastor, a good pastor's heart doesn't feel like it needs to pull people aside and say, now that was the stupidest stuff I've ever heard. In my... No, 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 no. A pastor just knows this in their heart. And I'm talking to most of you in this room. You just know this in your heart. You know, and you trust in and rely on the amazing ability that humans have to forget teaching all on their own. You know it. We get inspired let me prove it to you. What did we talk about last week? <laughs> it was Matt last week, so. <laughs> Let me prove it to you. Because you, and you're like, ah, uh, just, just be honest. It's a, a, an inspirational from the word of God is a meal. And you can have a great meal. 
just because you probably can't remember what you had for, for dinner last Sunday, does that mean it was unimportant? Does that mean it didn't feed you? Does that mean it didn't nourish you along? No, it's shockingly important that you keep eating. That doesn't mean that you look back and like, oh yeah, that meal was so, no, 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 no. But see, that's what inspiration is. It's that, it, you, it keeps you going. But see, a pastor knows that he doesn't, if something is a little bit awry, he doesn't need to pull you aside and say, now that was way off. No, 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 just people, can, they know. Guy probably didn't hear it anyways. He, he'll forget it. Just, but they keep bringing people back to Jesus. Now, you say, well, why don't you just have a 90-10 pastor up all the time? Because here, it, Tom is not 90-10. He's primarily pastor, but he's not one of those 90. A 90-10 pastor would be the guy that says, well, if it's you, if, if you're one of those, you know, that's really extreme, you, a pastor gift is basically all you've got. You know how you'll feel? You'll, you'll feel like, you know, and you probably have been tempted to pull me aside and ask me this. You're like, Pastor Brian, um, you know, really it's all about Jesus, Right? I mean, like your sermon today, we're probably going to end with like Jesus is the answer, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, well, I guess, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess that, that's true. Tell you what, why don't you just get up there and say, Jesus is the answer, and we'll all go out and get some coffee, come back in here, sit down, and we'll talk to each other, because that's what's important, and that is true. When you have an overwhelming pastor's heart, what is most important to you is people and getting to know people and loving people and caring about their life and knowing their kids' names. And that, and that is so shockingly important. Do you know the majority of conversations don't necessarily need to be about a Bible verse to be effective, to be helpful? Now, again, most of us are a mix somewhere. I got, I got Matt on the front row, so I got to call him out. I don't know. I, I don't know. We don't know the, you know, the, again, I've said this, I'm going to say it again. It's not important that you leave here with the per perfect understanding of what, the only people that really need to figure this out are the 90 tens, because that'll help you. If you're a 90 10 teacher and you're sitting here, you're the kind of person who goes to a small group and you don't realize, because in your mind, this, this revelation, this truth that you have is so important, and you just feel in your mind, if they can just get this one thing, and you don't realize that you can just hammer and just keep hammering people, and, and you're doing it out of a good heart, because you just see it, and you know it's, and it is, it's so powerful to you. Many of you have asked yourself, Pastor Brian, how can you preach so long on just one Bible verse? How do you do that? Well, because I am so convinced it's the answer to every question. I could be tempted, and years ago, you think that you think I go long now? Years ago, I would just go and go and go, because I, I could tell everybody's not getting it, and I just knew this one thing was the answer to every question and every problem, and every new sermon, every new Bible verse was, was that, and whatever I studied that week, was like, oh, and I just had to, and I knew if I just kept hitting you with it, oh, oh, body shot, <laughs> that, that, oh, you would just get it, and all your problems would be solved. See, the 9010s need to figure out, wait a minute, God has given me a gift. It's actually important. And when I come to a small group, I probably am going to have the one, I'm probably going to be that guy that has that insight, that's, that, that scripture nugget, that spiritual truth that just gets dropped out there. But once you figure it out, you put it out there and then you let the pastors sow it into the hearts of people. You don't just keep hammering away at people with your truth sword. But I, I was calling Matt out. I honestly think Matt is more than anybody I've met is 50-50. He is. I mean, and... Honestly, if you're 50-50, you're going you're gonna to be the ones that have the hardest time identifying. You're going to be like, ah, yeah, but I do that. 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 Again, it, it, it's not the most important thing that you identify. What's most important is that you use it in people's lives. Don't be that guy that stands before God and finds out, Waha, what? What? Because you're going to see it in that moment. You're going to see, oh, you're going to see yourself pastoring. You know what? Left to yourself, pastors, here's the temptation that pastors are going to have, is just to use that gift for themselves, just to have peace yourself. Oh, yeah. 
Just peace, man. And, and, and if you're a good one, you'll probably extend it to your family. Oh, and you have a peaceful home, and you have peaceful vacations, and a peaceful life, and a peaceful, and you honestly think, check, box, job done. And you don't even realize, you're looking around at people, and you think, well, you just kind of assume everybody's like me. That's pretty normal. We just kind of assume, hey, this is, I've always been this way. Do you know why you think it's just you? Because it's you. It is you. God made you that way. He, but you don't recognize it's a gift. No, you've got to, friends, I, I don't want to say this. Here's one of these things I might say that's overly dramatic, but I'm telling you, you're sitting in this room with probably at least one person, with a lot more than one that had a really, really stressed out week, but there's probably one person in here who committed suicide this past week. And I got pastors sitting here just thinking, it's all good, everybody's, it. everybody's fine, it's fine. No, we have to. We have to share this. We have to. The most important thing is that, I tell you what, if you'll just do this, if you'll just get off your McDuffkin and get into people's lives, you'll slow but sure figure out which of these is dominant. That's not the most important thing. It's just that you do it. Get in their lives. Why Corinth was an epic failure is they had nut jobs up front and they, the pastors just sat on their hands. The pastors didn't talk to people afterwards and bring them back to Christ. The pastors didn't let them forget that nutty thing. They just kept it going. They just fanned the flame. And it just became a, just became a disaster. So again, these gifts are in you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. The only people that, again, I'm concerned about, you're the 90-10s. Figure it out. It shouldn't be that, the 90-10s, it shouldn't be that hard for you to look back and like, yeah, truth is more important than people. When you hear that, you're like, yeah, hit them harder, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, drive them out of the church with that, yeah. And the same in the reverse. All right, let's move on, and let's just take a look. Let's just keep reading now. We just read to the, to the um, fourth verse. Hopefully you didn't shut your Bibles. Look at the fourth verse. He's just talked about... Uh, that he was concerned for them, feared for them, that they were deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. He's talking about these false teachers. Verse four, he says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Look, look at that phrase, wow. I mean, I've heard people call out preachers saying it's, uh, you know, they're, they're heresy, whatever, but I've never heard anybody be this hard. It's a different Jesus. A different Jesus than the one we preach. A different kind of spirit than the one you receive. Or a different kind of gospel. Wow. Paul's calling. I mean, he, you, you can't slam. I mean, to, to get, you know, to, there's a lot of ways to insult somebody who just taught the word of God. But to that, that's about the biggest one. By the way, that was a different Jesus. Other than the fact it was a different Jesus, a different Holy Spirit, and a different gospel, it was great. I mean, that is like full body slam. So when you read that, you'd be tempted to think, well, oh, these guys obviously must have been easy to spot. I mean, if it's a different Jesus and a different gospel, I mean, they must have gotten up. I mean, these guys are easy to spot. Your first, your first indication is the alligator suit that they're wearing, right? And the big diamond on their hand and, you know, the big shoes with metal tips, you know. It's easy to identify these guys. Remember the last part of verse three? It's cunning ways of the serpent. It's not. And you know who it's most deceitful is when somebody actually believes in their heart, if they believe it themselves. I guarantee you, these teachers that got up there, they were, they were teaching right from the Bible. Do you realize that from the Bible? Let me just, in 2 Corinthians, false teaching is described in its broadest terms. And its broadest terms, Paul's going to say in 2 Corinthians, anything, anything, anything that isn't rooted in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, anything, any success, any way that I can teach you that you can be successful other than through Christ Jesus, if that isn't the root, if that isn't the base, Paul's going to say, that's a different Jesus. It's a different gospel. It may sound good. It may even have scripture verses. Let me just, I'm going to share a scripture. How many believe the entire Bible is inspired by God? Do you believe that? 
Did Jesus come to do away with the Old Testament? No, no, he didn't. Now, it, you do have to have a little bit of insight as to the, the change from the Old Covenant to the New. But let me just read a Bible verse to you and a little clue. Can I get all your attention for just, if, if you fell asleep, just wake up right now. Do not say amen during the next two minutes. Okay, just a little clue. You'll, feel, you'll realize why later, but it would be really embarrassing for that guy who just woke up, amen, that's good stuff, Pastor Brian. That's powerful, powerful. All right, here's, here's a Bible verse. Just picture me. I'm the traveling preacher. Welcome to the church at Corinth. Welcome. Let's open up our Bibles. Deuteronomy 8.18, the word of God, inspired by God. Thus saith the Lord. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he. Who is it? It's God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant. How is it that God confirms his covenant? This is how God wants to do it, friends. God wants to make you wealthy, you successful, get you on the top. And when you are a multimillionaire, he wants you to stand before the crowd and say... Please, no applause. I give all, most, I, all the glory to Jesus. That's how God does it. It's right there. Right there in the Bible. Who can argue with the word of God? Amen? Thank you for not taking the bait. I just preached utter heresy to you right from the Bible. That is not true. The entire old covenant was an external covenant. It's true. They did not have God's spirit internally. So yes, the way God displayed favor in the old covenant was external. Okay? By the way, under this old covenant, we had 15 years from Moses from the time this was written to Jesus. During those 1,500 years, how many of those 1,500 years did Israel enjoy this type of prosperity? Anybody know? A little less than 100. The whole rest of the time, they were getting their rear ends kicked. Well, why is that? Because it never worked. It didn't work. They didn't, they weren't able to keep that covenant. They weren't able to truly follow after God. Their hearts and minds were running astray. So they were getting their rear ends kicked. It never worked. And those teachers probably would never pay any attention to that. Just kind of keep hammering the old thing. Let's look at what, and this is, this is what Paul understood. This is what Priscilla and Aquila understood. And if you're a pastor here or a teacher, this is what you understand. And you get this. Here's the, uh, let's just go to this next scripture. This covenant, this new covenant, this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. He's calling it out. He's saying, yes, Jesus brought a new covenant. He fulfilled things in the old covenant and he's not saying that God has changed. Is God still wanting to take care of your physical life as well? Yes, of course. So he's not saying that's all passed away, but he's just saying this is a new covenant. It's not gonna be like the old one that I made with our ancestors when I took them by that. Everybody say hand. External, physical, hand. Old covenant, hand. But this is the new covenant I will make. I will put my laws where? In their minds. And notice who's making this covenant. Who's the I of the I will? Who is that? This is God. God's saying, this is my covenant. This is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to roll. Try and stop it. This is what I'm doing. Try to stop it. I'm going to put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. Do you see it? It moved inside. The kingdom, that's what Jesus brought. If you simply see what Jesus Christ has accomplished through taking away all of your guilt, that's when the real Holy Spirit gets to invade your life. That's when you get to experience the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You get the whole package, and it all moves where God always wanted it, inside. Yes, is he still taking care? Is he still protecting you and taking care of the outside? Yes, but to focus on that is utter heresy. Paul would call it false teaching. He'd say it's a different Jesus to keep focusing on that external. I'm gonna say it again, false, anything, any success story, any success that you can teach people that doesn't have its root in Christ. You know, it's, it's this simple. If all of us will just simply feel in our hearts, believe this in our hearts, that the only hope I 
or anybody else have is to submit to Christ, say yes to him, follow him. If you believe that one thing, that's the only hope, you won't, fall, you won't teach false. Yes, you're going to help people balance their checkbooks and all sorts of other things. You don't have to always say, no, by, by the way, the reason you can balance your checkbook is Jesus Christ. I mean, you don't, you, know, you don't have to be a nut job. But in your heart, everything will point back to him. It just will. I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God. Look at this. Can we read these last two lines together? This is the, this is the end of him describing this new covenant. I will be their God and they will be my, one more time. I will be their God and they will, one more, come on, one more time. I will be their God, they will be my people. Come on, let's do it together, let's do it together. Every pastor in the house is like, that's it. That's it. That's what God's always wanted. He built this plant. He built this thing, this, this earth. He still seems to think it's his. He, he put us on it, but he, he wants to walk with us. Notice it's plural, their, their God, they. Yes, you have God's spirit individually, and yes, can you believe in Jesus everywhere? But that's, he joins you to a church. He joins you to a people, and there is a profound, distinct way that he shows up when they're, when they get together and they realize, wait a minute, I have something to share. I have to start using this pastoral gift, this teaching gift to help people around me. Yeah, there's probably somebody here that's really, really, really struggling. And yes, it's not just enough. That, oh, they heard an inspiring message. They'll forget it by tomorrow. They need, this is what goes on 24-7, 365, is us using our spiritual gifts. I'm talking to a lot of pastors in here. We have a great system to train you as life group leaders. I'm talking to several teachers in here. You don't need to, teachers, you don't need to dominate every conversation. I know, I know you see the good stuff. Awesome. Drop it in, let it go. <laughs> just, that's true. You, it's just, just see it. And what is the end? The end result of it is in God's, among God's people, there's a presence, there's peace and love and joy. Do you know why, you know why everybody's looking forward to heaven? It isn't because there's streets of gold. Really? Do you think if you were miserable and depressed, streets of gold would do it for you? Like, awesome. No. It's you're in the presence of God. His love and his joy and his peace are literally the atmosphere. It's what you, I think it's gonna take a long time to notice the gold because the joy, you're like literally drinking it. You're breathing it. It's in the air, the presence of God, the love and the joy. All of your questions, all of your insecurities, everything that you would ever do to, to validate yourself is just gone. You are loved and you love people. It's crazy, man. You love squirrels. What's up with that? Hey, Chip. <laughs> it's that's, and that's what happens when God's people come together and just simply use what's actually quite natural, the gifts that God gave you to share his love with those around you. You've heard us talk about this for the past couple of weeks, that starting in August, we're going to start 21 days of prayer. We do this twice every year, but this year we're doing a little bit different. We're asking you to come out on Wednesday nights because the way this kingdom is designed to be established is it has to dominate your heart and mind before it flows out to others. We have this crazy illusion that we're going to change the world by putting odd posts on Facebook. Great plan. Great, solid, solid plan. The way the kingdom of God works is for individuals to have that kingdom, that peace and that joy, the love of God, the grace of God, 
everything that Jesus Christ has accomplished, his spirit comes and brings that reality into you personally, and then it spills over to others. If you have a wife and children, it's gonna spill over to them, and your home is gonna become a place of peace. It spills over to the body of Christ, and you're just, and it works its way out. Can we just quit believing that lie that how we can be a train wreck myself while I change the world? It doesn't work. Why do we come together? Why does God call us together to pray? We're not coming together to pray to pump God up. Come on, God. Get off the bench. Come on. Maybe if we holler loud enough, we can wake him up. No. No, he's, he's fully awake. He is shockingly active. We just get lined up. We get full, spills over. We have to do that corporately. I hope you pray alone. So Wednesday nights at 6.30, starting August 11th. Maybe you're here saying, I have to work. Quit your job. Wednesday, <laughs> there's the teacher in me. Tom is desperate to correct that right now. Don't quit your job. It'll all be okay. <laughs> Let's stand up together. Will you just bow your head and close your eyes as you stand there? I will be their God and they will be my people. Will you just take a minute and just, just relish in that? Just exult in that. Talk to God yourself. Lord, you are my God. And we, we are your people. God, it's so good. God, thank you for the peace that is in your presence. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the acceptance. Thank you for answering every question. Thank you for taking care of my future. My yesterdays, my todays, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God. Now, Father, I pray as I end that every one of us would recognize those pastoral and teaching gifts that we have and start using that to affect other lives. God, forgive us for just using our gifts for ourselves. God, we don't even experience the fullness of it in our own life until we're sharing it. God, help us open our eyes to people right around us who need that love, who need that little truth that we have, who need that. It's actually quite natural. God, help us just to do what comes natural, what you've gifted us to do, and we will experience your amazing grace. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. Let's sing to this God. God, we are your people. You are God, and we worship you, and we bless you, and we just sing our hearts out to you in Jesus' name.
are your children and that you are our God, Lord. Help us to know what that means, Lord. Help us to see people with your eyes. Help us to have your heart. Keep your hand upon us so that we can do your will. Lord, thank you for the gifts that you've given each and every one of us, Lord. Thank you for the gifts that we have and that we can share them with other people. Thank you for the responsibility we have to share our gifts, Lord. Encourage us as we go through this day, as we go through this week, as we go through our lives, Lord. Send us one person today and every day to share your love with. At this time, Life Church, you have an opportunity to continue worshiping God with your tithes and offerings. You can do that online right through the Life Church app, or you can drop them in the black buckets as you leave as you leave service today. We're all gonna be here for 21 days of prayer, right? 6:30. What day? Ah, you guys got it. At this point, we have our prayer partners come forward, have our prayer warriors come up here. Don't leave church today if you need prayer. If God's putting it on your heart to have somebody pray for you. That you need prayer, let these people come up here and pray for you. Dear Lord, thank you. We just thank you for this day. Watch over us today. Lord, we continue to worship you in this place. Only you. No other name but that name, Jesus. With all that I am, I will praise you. Maker of heaven and earth. I lift my hands.
Thank you, Pastor Brian, for a great message and a great reminder that we're supposed to be living our lives according to God's will and not our own. Life Church, please remember that if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're here for you and your families. God bless and have a great rest of your week.